Hi everyone, welcome to On The Watch Podcast. I'm Melissa and I'm joined by my partner, Steven. What's up guys? Our friend, Anthony. What's happening? And our friend, Freddie. Hi guys. It's the final week of Oktoberfest, week four. And we are discussing Anthony's pick, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and Steven's pick, The Strangers. We are going to start with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Anthony, take it away. Okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 was released October 17th, 2003, two days before my birthday. Ooh. It was a runtime of one hour and 38 minutes, directed by Marcus Nespel. Nespel. It's his first feature film. Prior to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he directed music videos such as Gloria Esteban's Turn the Beat Around, Fuji's Ready or Not, Spice Girls, Spice Up Your Life. Um, <laughs> After Texas Chainsaw Massacre, he directed 2009's Friday the 13th and 2011's Conan the Barbarian. This movie stars Jessica Biel as Aaron from Seventh Heaven uh, from 1996 to 2006. She starred in that show. Um, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry, Hitchcock, and The Sinner. Uh, Eric Balfour, Balfour as Kemper. He was in three episodes of The O.C. and Skyline. Jonathan Tucker as Morgan. He was in The Ruins and Westworld. Erica Learson as Pepper. Mike Vogel as Andy. He was in Cloverfield and the hit classic Grind. Okay, if you say so. (laughs) (laughs) David Dorfman as Jedediah. Little fella from The Ring. Uh, Andrew Andrew Bryanarski as Leatherface. He was Chip in Batman Returns. Street Fighter, the movie, was Zangief, and he reprised his role as Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw at the beginning. Also stars R. Lee motherfucking Ermy as Sheriff Hoyt, the voice of Sarge in Toy Story and Saving Silverman. <laughs> I love Saving Silverman. Prefontaine, Seven, and he reprised, he reprised his role as Sheriff Hoyt in the 2006 Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning as well. As a, This movie has a budget of $9.5 million in the box office was 107.4 million. Damn. Run, yeah. Nice return. Has a Rotten Tomatoes score of 37 <laughs> and audience score of 58. Fuck both of them. And it has, <laughs> this is funny, my Google approval rating of 91%. Wow. Now, the summary from IMDb, after picking up a traumatized, traumatized young hitchhiker, five friends find themselves stalked and hunted by a deformed chainsaw-wielding loon and his family of equally psychotic killers. And that is the first negative against this movie, that IMDb summary. <laughs> it's a little outdated. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a little offensive. But Anthony, why'd you choose it? Your history with this movie and overall thoughts? Okay, first of all, I'm curious. Does the first negative? I mean, educate I, me on the negative. We shouldn't really be calling people deformed. Yeah, or like calling oh. him a loon, or like equally psychopathic or psychotic killers. Like that's. I mean, that's psychopathic. They were kind of psychopathic. But like that's a diagnosis, you know. Okay, but it's just mainly the deformed. Just like you, you wouldn't call him like the monster or something like that, you know. But you can call him Leatherface. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Now you said, um, why did I choose this movie? Your history. My history. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anthony's rubbing his hands together. He's hyped. I love. <laughs> as a kid, I loved the original uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That movie scared the shit out of me. And then you hear many, many years later they're remaking it. How can you remake a classic? There's no way. And then Platinum Dunes 
Michael Bay's company comes out with this Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. And I just remember me and Michelle, rest in peace, my pool, we went to see this movie and oh my God. As Melissa would say, I was shook. <laughs> and, it, and it's hard to shake me. I had problems sleeping. You know, I lived in the Moreno Valley and she lived in Long Beach. So whenever her and her family didn't come to my, my place, or or vice versa, I didn't go to her place. But it was mainly at my my place when I was there by myself. I was having issues sleeping and having like dreams where you where you wake up but you can't move, mm-hmm. sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. I would hear stuff in the house and I can't wake up. And a lot of times you just force yourself with and you can wake up. I could not wake up. I was dreaming this motherfucker was coming in the house. This movie was messing me up, and I just couldn't understand why. I'm 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 a horror fanatic. I love horror movies. Why is this movie shaking me? So I picked this movie because ever since that day, I watched it at the movies, and I think I watched it one other time when it came out on DVD, and I bought the DVD. Um, me and Michelle, we watched it, and I haven't watched it since. No way. I haven't watched it since because that movie, I just wasn't ready to go there. You're scarred for life. And I picked it this time because I was like, I'm going to face my fear. It's a dope-ass movie as far as what I remember. I'm picking it. Let's talk about it. So that's my history with this with this movie. Wow. Now, my overall thoughts for this movie after watching it again today. Hey, I don't normally do this. I'm giving myself a slow guy. I love this movie. I was watching it. I was feeling what I was feeling back when I watched it in 2003. Oh, I was getting the spooks. I was seeing some of the flaws as well. But then I was also appreciating it. Okay, it's 2003. They had this and this available. Um, There's a couple of things. We'll get into it. But most... Most of all, I was enjoying the hell out of this movie, just taking mental notes of all the different things that was going on, appreciating all the different things that was going on. So many positives. Now, I'm going to be watching the shit out of this movie. This is definitely going to be a once a year. Oh, I love this movie. Wow. Uh, that's, a, that's that's my thoughts. Okay. Okay. I, I'll go next. <laughs> So my overall thoughts and my little bit of history, I've only watched this movie once and it was when I was like 13 or 14, you know, renting it from Blockbuster and it scared the shit out of me. And I haven't watched it for that very reason. Very similar to Anthony's, you know, history with this movie. But watching it now as a spry 31 year old that could easily be Anthony in a foot race. Oh, 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 slow down. <laughs> It's not nearly as scary as I remember. Mm -hmm. Now, there's some terrifying imagery and the sound design is off the chain. But ultimately, I feel like this movie is held back by some horrible acting and over-sexualization of Jessica Biel. And after watching it, I think if I had the choice between going with the original and this one, I would probably go with the original. But... I don't hate this movie, but I don't, it, it's not on the pedestal that I had it when I was a kid, you know? And I think it's because, you know, I'm looking at it from an adult 31 year old lens yeah. and, a, and a, a 2020 lens or a 2021 lens. Um, but personally, I had a good time with it. On the other hand, Melissa, what are your overall thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go next. <laughs> Anthony, how do you think I felt about this movie? <laughs> um... <laughs> I think you thought it was crap. You better put on some a fucking bulletproof vest, dude, because she's about to gun you down. Okay. This movie is so close to getting the crap label, 
but there's one huge bright spot that saved it and I'll get to that later. But I fucking hated this movie. I agree with Steven. I would go with the original over the remake. I would give this movie like a fucking D. I don't like it. I won't watch it again. And I have seen it before. Uh, it came out in 2003, so we were in middle school, I believe. So I probably would have seen it, yeah, like eighth or ninth grade maybe. And with my family, my mom and my brother, we would all watch horror movies together. And I'll, it's in my positives. There's, I'll tell you why I remember. Cause there's some scenes where I was like, is it the remake that I've seen or the original? But then there's something that I saw later in the movie and I was like, yes, I have seen this movie. Should I play it? Do it. Listen closely guys, tell me if you can hear this. Did you hear it? Yeah. Grandma! Grandma! Okay, we say that shit all the time in my family, and I completely forgot that it was from this movie. And especially now, really? like, yes, especially now that we have a dog, we always refer to my mom as grandma when we're talking about Ray and my mom. Like, she's grandma to Ray. And so there's been times where my mom will be like, Grandma, when she hears us saying grandma. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's from this movie. So when we finished the movie, I went to my mom and I was like, Did you know that was from Texas Chainsaw Massacre? And she's like, Oh my God, it is, yeah. <laughs> When he said, when he goes, Grandma, let me in. I've been saying grandma like that for like three days straight. Just at random points of the day. It's the best. We'll be making breakfast and Melissa will walk in and I'll be like, Grandma. <laughs> oh, shit. So that See, there's like no recollection, recollection of like that being the origin of like that. No. So it was a, a great recovered memory for me. That's hilarious. <sighs> Okay, but we'll, we will get into it all later, but Freddie, tell us your overall thoughts. Okay. <laughs> I have a mess fucking headache because my jaw was clenched the entire time. <laughs> you guys already know my history with this movie and the next movie we're going to talk about, too. Yeah. <laughs> I was the whole way, the whole way. The whole way. I had a, I had a speed run both of these movies because today was the only time I had time to watch them. Uh -huh. So two of the biggest, like, fear-inducing, traumatic, horror movie experiences that I've ever had to live. I had to relive them today in a short span of like three and a half hours or however long it took. My jaw fucking hurts. <laughs> I have a headache from like clenching. Like it's so with that being said, I think it did its job on fucking terrorizing me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it dug up a lot of old trauma from watching that. And I know I've told the story before, but I'll tell, you, tell it one more time, one more quick time, then I'll retire the story. I, I rented this with my cousin one weekend when I spent it at his house. Uh, from a little $2 mom and pop shop. Took the DVD when it's like this little like room that he had converted into like our little hangout spot. We watched it at night. He fell asleep and I stayed up watching it. And it fucking terrified me. It terrified me. And the next day when I had to go to school and everything, uh, class was in session and I, I got out. I was walking to the bathroom. So, you know, the, the little courtyard area where usually is all busy with students was like dead silent. Walk into the bathroom and I hear what sounded like a chainsaw revving right behind me. And I screamed and ran. It turned out it was like one of the groundskeepers from the school with a leaf blower. And I'm so glad nobody's around because it was fucking embarrassing. Me screaming and running like a little girl. <laughs> like, and I don't just mean like, oh, he's running like a little, running like a little girl because that. Like, I screamed a very high pitched scream. And I remember it sounded like very, like, straight up like a girl scream. Um, yeah, and it dug up all that, all that, like, that fear of, like, I am 13 years old again in that little cross space hangout spot watching this movie fucking scared shitless. Love it. Wow. And don't you hate when you're watching something? I had the same thing watching stuff with my cousin. My cousin used to always fall asleep and leave me by myself watching this scary <laughs> shit. Yeah, 
like, what the hell? My cousin would have a habit of when we would hang out, like he couldn't hang late at night. So like by like midnight, he was already like knocking out. So I would get frustrated and I'd like poke his cheek like, hey, wake up, wake up. You know, we need to beat this stage on Final Fantasy or whatever we're playing or watching a movie like, hey, like the next episode's coming up. So that was my dilemma of like, do I keep watching this? Do I like wait for him to wake up? Do I watch it tomorrow in the morning? Like, so I feel you, Anthony. It sucks when like, you know, you're watching something with somebody and they knock out. That's funny. I remembered the leap blower story and I started laughing right in the middle of you retelling it because I remembered it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So you think it did its job? So your overall thoughts, Freddie, are positive? Thumbs up, but I will never fucking watch this movie again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. So let's jump into our positives. How does that sound? And we'll start off with Anthony. Hit us with those some some big bright spots of the movie for you. Or dark spots, either one. Hey, I'm about to go crazy. Let's oh, do God. it. Okay, positives. Everything. <laughs> yes. Especially Jessica Biel. Shout out to her tank top. Great job, wardrobe. Ermie and Andrew Brian Brynart. I'm just going to say Andrew. <laughs> struggle with his damn name. Andrew is Leatherface. It's great suspense. The the uh, the director Marcus Nispel 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 so say Marcus great job Marcus uh, the cinematographer Daniel Pearl he also did DP the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh. um, which is interesting because the lighting is so different with this but he said I've been there I've done that I want to do something new there's a great marriage between Marcus and the cinematographer because they did a lot of commercial and video work together. So that was a great marriage. And it was a very interesting set because them two would be going at it. They would always work it out. Just very great working relationship. The editor was Glenn Scannerberry. Marcus credits him for protecting him from going too over the top with some of the scenes knowing right when to cut. So that was a credit. Special effects, makeup, Scott Stoddard, supervising sound editor, Trevor Jolly. He was great because the sound was incredible. Production designer Greg Blair, the art director Scott Gallagher with the sets. Marcus doesn't really like building sets. He likes using real locations. But the way they designed everything and set everything up, and uh, it was amazing job. John Larroquette came back to do the narration again. As you remember, he did the narration when it came on. And he comes back to do it at the beginning and the end of this. The writer, Scott Kozar, he did a good job. Andrew Leatherface. I got to say, the biggest leather face we've had, 6'5", 276. Whoa. Um, he was a beast. And one thing he said about his role, he, he couldn't allow himself to stay in character during breaks because he didn't want to detach himself like that. And he, he, he said it one thing, when um, Jessica's character and when she saved old boy from the tub and they went in this one shack right at the climax, climatic scene right before she went to the, the meat house, he, he grabbed Jessica and he scratched her head and that was the cue for her to throw herself into the floor. That was a great detail. I'm glad he shared that. Some of the behind the scenes stuff with, with him and, and Jessica because Jessica's 5'7", 121 and she she was bringing it, going against him. Great job, Jessica. Now, it was tough for Jessica because she's a vegetarian. Ooh. So shooting this movie was very, very tough for her, especially hiding in the meat when they were in the meat house. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say one more behind the scenes thing when she let me get these characters names okay she's Aaron her and Morgan Jonathan Taylor played Morgan when she saved Morgan out of the tub she got him out the tub and she was helping him along and she hid him in the closet mm-hmm. and um she hid up, up under this little hole in the wall or whatever I'm sorry it was right before that Mike Vogel Mike Vogel played Andy Andy was the dude that he got hung up yeah. on his back uh shout out to the original 
when he hung, hung old girl up. But um, when she was at his feet and he was like, kill, kill me, kill me. And when she stabbed him to put him out of his misery, mm-hmm. and it's it's a behind the scenes of her, and she's crying. And the director said she has a problem screaming; like she'll lose her voice very easily. So it's a shot of her, you know, crying at his feet, and he's yelling at her, "Scream it out! Scream it out!" And she's like, <laughs> and you can see her just listening to him. Keep bringing it, keep bringing it. I love shit like that. That's what was getting me amped today. <laughs> seeing a, seeing a director and actor go at it like that. She's feeding off him and vice versa. I love that scene so much. And co- the other co-star, Erica Lashirn, she plays Pepper. Now, she had an extremely loud screen, which helped her get the role. But it's stuff like that. And I'm just so fascinated by the lighting. I, I, I was blown away by the lighting. I just I just kept watching this stuff over and over for, for that especially. That was To me, that was a standout. I was so in love with the way he lit this fucking movie. Mm. It was just incredible. And then you see, like, like I know back home in July and August, man, it's hot and humid as fuck. I imagine Texas just, if not more, but as soon as you step outside, you're sweating and it's just uncomfortable. And I love that you can just see it in in the movie, how hot and sweaty it looked. And uh, it just made you feel even more uncomfortable. But um, yeah, it's just stuff like that. I thought the cast was great. But yeah, I just love, I love so much about this movie. I can't wait to revisit it and study more from it. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm actually, I'm actually curious to to give it another try and watch it with the director's commentary or whatever you yes. watch because that actually sounds interesting to me. Like what what was it that made the actors tick? What got them to yes. act a certain way? And they were teasing him too. They were teasing director because he had certain things that he would say he's German, and they was like, "Oh, Marcus is saying this, Marcus." And it was just so funny how they were mocking him. But they said his energy, he's he's amped. He's kind of, and you can hear him and see him like with Jessica, scream it out. And you can see him like, you know, pushing in her back, scream it out. Come on, scream it out. And you can see her. Oh, and it just reminds me, we saw Evil Dead remake with Jane Levy when she was um, doing her acting, the active possessive, doing all this crazy shit. And they were just watching her and just, and then they said, cut. And then she just stops and laughs and exhales. I love seeing actors in, in their element, loving what they're doing, bringing that shit to entertain us. Uh, this movie brought it out. I'm so fucking amped. I'm ready to shoot. I'm ready to create because of this damn movie. A movie that scared the shit out of me. And I don't know where I was. Steve and I agree. It's not as scary as I remember, but I still appreciate what it did to me in 2003 and what it's doing to me now. Uh, I hate how impressionable I am because... He's swaying you. He's swaying me. It's his passion. <laughs> You're swaying me hard, Anthony. <sighs> I'm happy for you, Anthony. <laughs> is it my turn? Yeah. Go for it. So my positives, and I have actually a lot of positives. Intro is still creepy as fuck. And especially with that fake found footage and then the camera noises, it still gets me every time. And I'm gonna screw up his name, so I am so sorry. But Andrew Brian Yarsky, whoo, he did a great fucking job as Leatherface. He's big, he's powerful, he's menacing. It just, he scares the shit out of you every time. Like every time he comes on the screen, he just, he commands the whole screen, yeah. you know? Attention. He, he's great. I'm sorry, can I say this? Yes. Yeah. When he comes on screen, and I kept rewinding it, because right when um, Jessica's character and Andy, when they were in the house, 
and he's looking in the fridge and everything, looking around oh. when they're looking for Kemper. And then she comes in the kitchen with them and they're looking at each other. And then all of a sudden, the doors, when they open the door and Leatherface is right there, it's like it's a fucking um, superhero landing. Hmm. The way he's there, he got his head down. He goes like this. He puts his head down, revs his saw up and looks up it's a gift I, I'm, I'm so fascinated with gifts I could watch them over and over and I was like I want that gift just him looking down revving and looking up and that lighting it oh. it was like I'm, I'm about to go in beast mode on your ass that shot was fucking incredible I'm sorry Steven go ahead <laughs> And, and I completely agree. I agree. Leatherface, there is not a single negative I have for Leatherface. He, he just... He brought it. Amazing. And even the first time you ever really see him, when he just comes up behind Kemper and hits him over the head mm -hmm. and then just drags him, just so quick and so terrifying. Other positives are Lee Ermey, great sheriff. I don't think I could ever see anybody else play Sheriff Hoyt. He is fucking amazing. He just, he makes you feel uneasy. You're disgusted with him. Everything he does in this movie, he's like, it serves a purpose and he did it great. Those eyebrows. <laughs> those eyebrows. <laughs> Rest in peace. I'm one of those Aww. people, oh, I had no idea. Yeah, 2018. Yes, a couple years ago. Oh, wow. RIP. I'm one of those people that loves jump scares. I know some people are like jump scares, they're cheap, but this movie had a bunch of them. And I feel like that's one of the things it does really well, especially with that first one with Leatherface coming up and getting Kemper towards the end with him reaching through the wall and grabbing Jessica Biel. <laughs> when Sorry. Jessica Biel first gets into the meat factory, the Blair Meat Company slaughterhouse, and she finally gets in and she like shuts the door and she's standing there and she tries to stay quiet and all of a sudden he pops up right behind her and she drops down and slides underneath. That was terrifying. Like he, he did great. I kid you not, that made me jump and I couldn't believe it. I, oh, I couldn't believe it. And Anthony never jumps. Anthony doesn't jump. Never jump. I love how this movie comes full circle. Like it starts out with them picking up the hitchhiker and she's like, no, you're going the wrong way. You don't go back. You can't go back. You're going the wrong way. It starts with, I just want to go home. Yeah, exactly. And at the very end, Jessica Biel gets in the truck and she is reciting the same exact lines. I just want to go home. No, you're going the wrong way. Just how it, it all comes around and you see why Jessica Biel is acting the same way as the girl, the hitchhiker from the very beginning. Love that. The basement is terrifying. The imagery, the dismembered body parts, the teeth, the meat hooks and all the tools lying around. Great set design. And this is actually probably my biggest positive of the whole movie. When she first goes, gets thrown down the basement and she looks up and there's Andy crucified and his toes are just barely dangling above the piano and they're just barely touching the piano. And then she's trying to get him off and, and just, you can hear the desperation of her trying based on the piano, the banging on the piano. I loved it. Hmm. Oh. I remember watching this movie as a kid and being shocked at how everyone in the town is in on the killing frenzy and you have no clue. And every time she comes up on somebody else, you're like, you're hopeful that they're actually there to help her out and come to find out, no, they're all in on it. And that's actually really fucking scary to have a full like town of people all related or all in on this like serial killing madness. And then last but not least, Jedediah yelling grandma, <laughs> grandma. you know? <laughs> 
has me cracking up to this day. And um, classic. I I th I have more positives than the negatives, but the negatives they definitely hurt. You know the overall feelings of this movie, but it's it's still scary, just not as scary as when I was a kid. Melissa, your positives. And okay. no movie's gonna be scary as when you were a little kid. Yeah. I mean, we'll find out. Okay, I do have some positives. I can't believe that this was Homeboy's first or directorial debut because there was some pretty cool direction in my opinion. The way the camera pulls back after the hitchhiker kills herself, I really liked that shot. I was like, oh, okay, here we are. And then the, there's a couple low camera angles that I really like too. Steven mentioned one, but the low angle when they're approaching the killer's house, I appreciated that, minus her butt in the shot. The low camera angle on the group as they react after the hitchhiker kills herself, like they come out of the car and the camera's like kind of in the ground looking up at them outside of the car and they're all like freaking out. I really liked that setup as well. Wait, are you talking about how the camera, it, like it comes from out of the car through the girl's head, through the hole and then comes down on the ground? Yeah, that's how it pulls out after she kills herself. But then yeah. after that, when they're all outside, like out in the corner, the back right corner of the car, mm. that scene. And then I think it's when Kemper is getting dragged in the house and there's also a low angle him getting dragged. I thought that was cool. There's a great eerie shot of the house at night and there's like fog surrounding the house. Great eerie setting. <laughs> but do you guys remember in Hereditary when uh, Tony Collette goes, with that face on your face? <laughs> okay. When Leatherface takes off Kemper's face and puts it on his face. Love that. Disturbing. Can't imagine how I would feel in Aaron's shoes, but all I could think of, with that face on your face. <laughs> He literally wow. has a face on his face. Can I just say, him wearing Kemper's face, the first time I saw this movie, I could not get that visual out of my head. Mm -hmm. And her seeing her boyfriend's face, <laughs> I just could not shake it. And this time around, I thought it was daylight, daytime when he did it. So I was like, I thought it was, so when it happened at night, I was like, oh, funny how you misremember things. But yeah, that, that scene was crazy. Mm -hmm. It's a reveal, but it's like messed up because of the, I guess, emotional context that it's in because it's her boyfriend. So I'm like, that hurts. Yeah. It's terrifying and it hurts. Fucked up for sure. And then I love the quick shots of Leatherface in his kill room. It's actually my favorite part. All of the stuff of him doing his thing in the kill room worked for me. The setting is disgusting, but it's so like visceral. And the fact that it like made my skin crawl, like it's effective. And I just love the way it, it's almost like the camera loves Leatherface. I just, I love all of the Leatherface stuff. He is the best part of the movie. It's like the evil version of Dexter. Yes, 100%. Instead of a clean kill room, it's like a dirty-ass kill, kill yes. room. Yes. Oh my God, Freddie, that's exactly right. I love Dexter. Oh, I wrote great direction of the girls inside the van as Leatherface is on top of the van. When the girls are like hugging each other inside of the van and Leatherface is on top with the chainsaw, you feel that claustrophobia, the way the camera treats them. And it's just, it's, it's amazing what they did in such a tight space. I really like that. It really like put me in the scene with them. So I thought that was effective. And uh, the only known images of Leatherface at the end are awesome, haunting, fucking awesome. And then I kept thinking I would hear Freddie, you imitating the camera noise. <laughs> I heard that while I was watching it. So that was fun. And then- I hate that sound. still <laughs> <So> terrifying. <laughs> Hey, can I tell you, this the supervisor sound editor, Trevor Jolly, he said that's a tuning fork dragging behind a piano string to mm. make that sound. So that's, that's fascinating. Wow, that's cool. And then my last positive is Grandma! <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Uh, I'm actually really surprised you didn't put in your positives that this is loosely based on Ed Gein. Well, I mean, we talked about that in the first one. I mean, you can and always I mean, talk about it again. I feel like it's so far removed because I don't feel like there was enough Leatherface and enough of, like, the, the killing and the torture and, like, there wasn't enough of the Ed Gein in it for me to, like, love that about this movie. But it was cool. I mean, yeah, like you said, the teeth and, like, what looks like eyeballs and the fingers and the skin. Like, I, I love all of that. Like, his kill room is fucking awesome. What's crazy is you saying you don't think there was enough. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had like a third of the movie be the rest and then two thirds be Leatherface. Freddie, mm. let's hear your positives. Okay, so number one, Jessica Beale. I've had a crush on her since like Seventh Heaven, her playing Mary, the kind of tomboyish hot girl. I'm like, I, I love her so much. <laughs> Have you seen the show, The Sinner? No, that's like a more recent show that she was on, right? Yeah. I, I haven't seen it. She also, I think, produced the the show. I think she's still a producer on the show, but she stars in season one, and she's really great. And I read the book that it's based on, and it's a really interesting story. It's not, like, abjectly scary, but it's definitely, like, creepy, and she she does some shit that, like, I, I admire her acting in that. So I recommend it. Uh, I'll probably check it out. I mean, if, if you said it's, like, you know, some creepy stuff, I love the creepy aspect of horror when mm-hmm. it kind of, like, really gets under your skin, which is a nice segue into this because this did not have the stuff that gets under my skin in that way. It got, uh, actually, I'll jump to another positive because that's relevant to that. All the close-up shots of all the viscera, like, skin flayed up on hooks mm-hmm. like how you guys are saying the fingers in like a flute case mm-hmm. which seems like such a personal kill like has how they were killing like travelers i'm yeah. assuming they found a traveler who had a little flute in a case cut off that person's fingers and put it in the case next to the flute like it's so messed up and so like methodical and i could have sworn that there's a scene where like leatherface is working in the butcher factory like the slaughterhouse so I feel like there's that background, like this almost like a like an expertise or like a craftsmanship to the way to the way he kills. Oh, I love that. And I can kind of see it as like he gets the salt and puts it on the wound and then dresses it with like that butcher paper and like little twine. It felt very like like he knows what he's doing. It's not just a mindless killing kind of thing. Yeah. So I like that aspect of it. And then like I said, those close up shots of like all the gore. There wasn't as much gore as I remember, but the shots that like focus in like okay for example when is his name morgan the guy with the glasses and curly hair yeah the one who has to sit in the seat of the girl who who shot herself yeah when he's sitting down and then the sheriff is like it doesn't line up the bullet hole where you're sitting he's like scoot over and he's like i don't want to like there's blood there and like you get that close-up shot of him scooting away the brains and the skull fragments like mm-hmm. that made me like i said my jaw was clenched the entire time made me wince and cringe and like kind of like it just freaked me out so much because like just again the implications of like a situation like you are touching someone's skull fragments and brain and like somebody just died there hours ago like all that stuff really unsettled me but again it's a positive because it's very effective in what it what it's trying to do as a horror movie yeah and then kind of going back down my list real good job of making an inanimate object like a building feel so malicious with its kind of like very like angular square like structure and how they lit it from the back at night it just seemed like the house was alive and it was going to eat these teenagers or you know young adults I just thought that was a really cool way to make the setting itself feel like a villain. Mm. The old guy stomping the cane to like basically summon Leatherface when they're in the house. And he's like, bring it, bring it. He's like stomping his cane. I felt like that scene had a good rhythm. Like it was just like each stomp was just getting slightly closer to like us getting our big reveal. And when it finally happens, 
that like that movement felt like almost like poetic where he slams the door open and it's like the big reveal where we finally get like Leatherface making his big entrance. Like like Anthony said, it's a superhero landing, but it's a super villain, you know reveal. Landing. Yeah, reveal. Yeah. And that whole scene, like the rhythm of the cane, Leatherface finally popping out, the door slamming open, and then as he's like not lunging but like moving towards them. It feels like he takes up so much space and not just because of his size, but like because of his movements. Like he moves and like it feels like he's banging against the walls and the hallway and the doorway and everything. Like he's a force of nature. Like just a wall of just danger and terror just coming at you. And I thought that was like so cool because it makes him feel larger than life. Mm. The scene where I don't even remember what it is. I think it's in the very, very beginning. I just remember him peeking through blinds. I think it's when they first get to the house and Jessica Biel uses the phone. At some point during that scene, Leatherface like peeks out really quick, like putting his fingers in between the two blinds and, like to you know kind of see what's going on in that quick peek. I could have sworn I heard the camera shutter sound, and I'm like, if it is that, that's a nice touch of, like, again, associating that sound with Leatherface. Yeah. So, sound design department, hitting, hitting it out of the park with that. They made a really good villain that you love to hate, and I'm not talking about Leatherface, I'm talking about the sheriff. <laughs> and he is, because, like I said, Leatherface feels, like, more like an amoral force of nature, like a tornado. Like, a tornado is scary, but it's a very, like, one-track mind. It kills, and that's all it does. But the sheriff felt like evil and just like slimy and like just wanting to torture these people and like making the guy sit in the seat making him put the gun in his mouth like he's relishing in all the the terror and agony that he's putting these people in like that's a good villain because he's such a shitty human being so when he finally gets his come up and it's like you you feel jessica feels like anger you feel like her like triumph or like it's like a pyrrhic victory basically like yeah she won she killed him but like she went through hell to do it but again it's a really effective villain when he shows up on the scene looks like Look like she's right. <laughs> what do you say? Uh, she's right there, or she's dead. Oh right. yeah, like looks like your dead body's in there. Yeah, and then when he was like, "You mind getting the fuck out of my way, son?" As like, "Oh, this shit's about to go all bad." Oh, grabbing her breast and oh, right. she's all, what, "What? What you guys been doing? Just the worst motherfucker ever." So not even oh, being he, he rude. Was, like right, like not, not, that's exactly my point. Like he's not even just being rude as saying like you know get the fuck out of my way and stuff. He's also being like just fucked up for the sake of being fucked up. Man. And like as, as he's you know telling telling the guy the blonde guy he's like oh come and help me out here. When I was a young patrolman I used to love cleaning up bodies like this in the hallway these little hotties. Uh-huh. I don't even cop a feel. Yeah. And I'm like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like and you know it's motherfuckers like that in in the real world. Yeah. So yeah like it's again it's a villain you love to hate. So shout out to his performance. Yeah, because you appreciate how good. I understand why it's in your positive and I fuck that guy. (laughs) Oh yeah. Fuck that character. I just horrible person. Like he did what he was supposed to do. You know, his, his duty was complete, but I just feel so icky putting that in the positive because it just, it made me hate him so much. Mm -hmm. But I think, I can't call that a negative because that's what the horror movie is supposed to do. That's what the character like that is supposed to do. It's supposed to make you hate him. And when somebody does that damn good of a job of you hating him, you got to give him props. Oh, you got to give him props. I'll put it um, in other terms. Danny Govery. Yes, Joff. He's the Joffrey of this movie. Woo. <laughs> And and I gotta say, I, we we talked about it before. I never ever thought I would hate Snoop Dogg, but after watching Baby Boy, I was hating Snoop Dogg. I was like, "Fuck that motherfucker!" <laughs> oh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so I have two more positives. Uh, one of them we kind of touched on on the overall thoughts that it felt like just 
consuming this much trauma <laughs> in this movie, in both these movies back to back, just felt like just a rush of adrenaline being on, on the edge of my seat for, you know, two and a half hours, three hours, however long these two movies combined are. It reminded me of the scene in Pulp Fiction where, like, they stab Uma, Uma Thurman in the heart with a syringe of adrenaline. Oh. That's what it felt like. It felt like, bam, let's watch these movies. <laughs> and just heartbeat, heartbeating nonstop. <laughs> so, again, it's it's quite the experience, and I'll put it in the positive, because, again, it these movies did their job. They terrified me. And then the last one is... Leatherface's run. The way that like he runs, it adds this extra element of terror to the chases. Because it's just, you know, with Jason and Michael Myers, you get kind of like this lumbering walk and like the stalking kind of aspect to their to their chases where the victims or the protagonists or whatever, they're running full speed. You know, they trip and they fall and you still see, you know, Michael Myers kind of slowly power walking to them. Leatherface like sprints for a big guy. That's like what I think would be a sprint for him. And it does feel, it creates this immediate sense of terror of like, shit, I need to run at my full speed because not this guy's going to get me. And it's um, like, it's not just a sprint he's doing. It's like a maniacal, is that even yeah, like, maniacal, unhinged run with like flailing chainsaw all over the place like it's creepy it does it 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 does it justice Mm -hmm. yeah like i said he takes up space with that run it's just so much like movement where like you cannot predict where he's gonna swing the the chainsaw Mm -hmm. so it added this extra layer of fear for for, that i had for our characters and like jessica beale it's like holy shit like this is just a wild blade coming at you so yeah i really like the run it added something else to the performance okay that's what i got let's move on to our negatives Anthony, what are your negatives? My negatives. <laughs> 2003. So not that this was an excuse, but it's the times. They did use the F word. Oh, uh, so it was uh, the F word. Oh, See, we couldn't uh, tell uh, if he said maggot or not. No, I rewind it. That, that was a hard F. And I put the subtitles on it. He said it. Another negative, David Dorfman, who plays young Jedediah, um, is a little off. Wasn't convincing enough. He, he didn't look like a, a genuine, I don't know if you call him a hillbilly or whatever, or, or kid in this circumstance. <laughs> it looked like he was made to, to look like that. It was the teeth. Um, yeah, it was the teeth was off. His mm-hmm. acting was it's off like, a little bit. The rest of it, that's just his face. That's just a poor kid's face. I think it was um, just the teeth they added in. Well, it was, it was his acting style, too. It was just, it, it didn't seem, it wasn't quite clicking for me. I'm just saying, leave, um, leave my boy alone. Grandma! Grandma! <laughs> Come and he saved them. He saved them. Come this way. Yeah. And he don't hurt them. He saved her. Not exactly. He tried them. to save them. But okay. Yeah. Keep going negatives. When they hitchhiker hiker in the beginning, she shot herself. Absolutely love that camera work. And they showed the behind the scenes the stuff that I watched. I'll send it to you on how they framed it with a little uh, a lens, a certain type of lens. Amazing shot. But it's one of the shots that I was appreciating the acting, the camera work, lighting and everything. So I kept rewinding it. I loved her acting. I thought she was great, looked great, everything. But in that specific scene, I think Jessica's scream was a tad bit off. It didn't look believable. It looked like the yell action and she Anthony. <laughs> It's yeah. it's her hands around her mouth. I like that you brought that up because I noticed it too. I'm like, maybe I'm just saying things. It is, she's probably just doing fine. But like, 
Nope. Yeah, you saw it too, right? Yep. And that's what I was saying too when I watched it. I was like, okay, let me let me look at that again. Um, the girl that played Pepper, oh my God, she was amazing, and I, I believe that's a re- big reason too why she was in the the front of that that whole blocking because you kind of, oh, at least my eyes gravitate towards her, and she was very strong with her screaming, her expression, and everything. Um, and the rest of them as well. But when I kept rewinding and I kept seeing Jessica, like, like going to it instead of genuinely being like, what? You're supposed to already be into it because she's, she's putting the gun up. She hasn't shot yet. Mm-hmm. So you, instead of like, so I, I, I just thought that was off. But other than that, that was, everything was good. Hmm. I was expecting a no negatives, but you actually brought some negatives. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling a little, a less, Less unbiased. Mm-hmm. Huh? I have a couple negatives. First is the hypersexualization of Jessica Beale. And I'm actually quite disappointed in my uh, 14 year old horny self for being blinded by a girl running around in a white, wet tank top. But we appreciate the growth, Steven. We appreciate it. <laughs> With that being said, I'm not saying she didn't look good in it, mm-hmm. but we'll leave that for a. Okay, I'm sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> No, I'm just saying, don't kneecap yourself. Let's talk about some bad decisions, shall we? Let's. (laughs) First bad decision, you're coming back from Mexico after buying a bunch of weed and stuffing in a pinata. Oh, yeah. Bad idea. Um, Making out while driving. Not very smart. Keep your eyes on the road. You pick up this hitchhiker and uh, she's going off, like she's now going off about you're going the wrong way. He's a bad man. He killed all of them. He killed all of them. And you're not asking questions about that. You're not trying to calm her down. Instead, you're just pushing her off, like calm her down, ask her good, legitimate questions and figure out what's going on. And then the last thing before she kills herself, she says, you're all going to die. And then you decide you're going to, you're going to stay locally and search for help locally. Locally? No, no. After everything she said, I'm driving across the state line, finding a big, huge With police a dead station. Body in your car, though? I don't care. I yeah, don't I was know. gonna say like you're not even able to cross state lines with a with a dead girl in your backseat. Especially with one with like basically missing half of her head. Like that's yeah. I see where you're going with that logic and I understand it, but like in their shoes, I guess they made I guess what would have been the logical choice. Like, hey, we need to get to a place, use a phone and then call the cops. Uh, yeah, I and guess. And you have a big hole in the back of your window too. Like red fucking flag. Red flag for what? Bloody hole. Any cops. Like you can't be driving long distances with a hole in the back of your window. Yeah. Bloody hole. It's pretty Yeah. Simple. Yeah, bloody yes. hole. That is a literal red flag right there. Well, continue. I think my biggest negative is this movie's about 20 minutes too long. I think Jessica Biel does a total of five trips from the mill to the house and back. Like five? Five trips. You counted? Yes. Wow. That's a lot of trips. That's a lot of time spent walking back and forth. I think we could have cut down on that a little bit and I would have been much, much happier. And then my last negative is... While the crucifixion of Andy was like an awesome touch for me, the way she puts him out of the, his misery is by stabbing him in the stomach, <laughs> which definitely wouldn't kill him instantly. It would draw out the pain even more and he would just bleed out. So you could have, you did your boy dirty there. And that's my last negative. Yeah, we were trying to like debate in the middle of the movie, like, would you slit his throat or would you like stab him in the heart? Like, what is the fastest way to kill him with a knife? Definitely not stabbing him in the stomach. I would have said slit his wrist. It's like not as painful. I don't know. Not as aggressive. Just let him go slowly bleeding out rather than having a giant slash in the stomach. Just a quick nick of the wrist. 
That's actually smart because I was thinking like, okay, maybe she stabbed him in the stomach because height-wise that's where she can reach without making a shit ton of noise and jumping up on the piano. But because I feel like a throat slit would probably be like the fastest sure way to kill him. But again, you'd have to make all this noise. So I didn't even think like, yeah, the wrists are right there at height. Why not just go for the wrist? And he had his arms up on like a beam, but they weren't chained or anything because after he dies, you see his hands just flop down. So he was holding himself up there. Yeah. Because oh. so he, he could have easily just dropped his wrist down and kind of like presented it. So that way she could kind of give him a quick slice. Because earlier in the movie, he was trying to pull himself up, like do a pull up. And every time he couldn't get himself up over that hook. And every time he freaking let himself go and he bounced on that hook. Yep, there you go. That's my exact reaction. <laughs> Freddie just curled himself in. It was, did not make it me feel me good. Recoil. But um, yeah, those are my negatives. Melissa? That's it? Okay. I, mind you, I took notes throughout this entire movie and I tried to just like pick out the top points for positives and top points for negatives. So there is a lot more minutia, <laughs> but these are my main negatives, okay? As soon as this movie finished, I looked at Steven and I was like, well, I feel like I need to take a shower now. This movie makes me feel so dirty the entire, like not only do we have characters with face in the dirt at one point, but like the sitting water and like dripping water in like the kill room and it's just and like the houses are disgusting and dirty everybody and just meat. looks dirty yeah the meat factory like it's just such a like visceral filthy movie and i just ugh. i know it's like some it's effective because it made me feel gross but i just thought like god this is so disgusting it's it's a negative for me could have done with a little less grime and like steven said the sexualization of jessica beale is unforgivable and disgusting from not only just jessica beale but from the beginning when the couple in the back of the car is making out damn near about to fuck to jessica beale's literal wet white tank top tied up in a knot if it wasn't enough for you and low-rise jeans so that her whole ass midriff is exposed all of that just like ages so poorly and it just felt really disgusting to me that's pretty unforgivable stupid people making stupid decisions after the hitchhiker kills herself and the gang drives away with her dead body in the car and they stop at a gas station i was just like again well we what we touched on it a little bit with steven but driving around with a dead body in the car and a bloody hole in your back window is just like look at me and granted it's a desolate town in the middle of nowhere but i was kind of thinking if i was them this is supposed to be what like the 70s we said yeah they're going to it's like concert. Also, also steven was like did they wear low-rise jeans in the 70s i'm pretty sure it was all about high-rise jeans back then and definitely like showing your whole ass midriff in like a white tank top tied up in a knot that's definitely that coupled with low-rise jeans that's totally 2000s so red fucking flag they were just trying to show her off pissed about that but anyway that's what's called anachronism when something doesn't match up with the time it's supposed to be in oh like having a cell phone like medieval times or something i didn't know that i love that or like sword like gandalf having a watch in the middle of one of the battles really what yeah he's wearing a watch in one of the battles <laughs> or like the coffee cup in game Whoa. of thrones or the coffee cup right, in game yeah. of thrones <laughs> okay See, I, I love it. anachronism i believe my point was that oh if this is supposed to be like the 70s then why don't they just like ditch the body and just like you know put up a fucking i don't know hippy dippy shawl in the back window to cover just the hole and kick out away. the window Oh yeah, kick out the and window. And they had a blanket over the seat, in the back seat, so just pull the blanket off too. Yeah, I just thought like, okay, you're running around with a dead body in your car. This is a bad decision. Moving on. Erin running into the shed after her friends say that they saw something in there. Stupid people doing stupid things. And why is your response to be like, you're just trying to scare me? Like, what? 
I just thought that was so unbelievable. And then the guy in the wheelchair, who I guess is like the brother of Leatherface, um, when he is like trying to get Jessica Beale to help him get up or whatever, and he's just like copping a fuel, grabbing her ass and feeling her up. That is the mo the moment in the movie that made me feel the most disgusted out of everything. Like I really don't like things like that. Don't typically disturb me. It's really hard for something to disturb me like that. And between everything that we've watched for this week like that is the moment that disturbed me the most i just thought it was so fucking disgusting and i was like irate like sitting there seething watching him do that to her anyway another thing that's really upsetting whistling at someone to get their attention is so fucking rude the the blonde guy what the hell is the character's name andy andy, andy. when he's whistling he whistle at pepper. yeah he whistles at pepper like come on let's go i was just like that's fucking rude and so disgusting like I just, and especially for like, you know, some two characters who are hooking up and the guy that do that to the girl, I was like, oh God, that is so disrespectful. Hated that. Fred, Freddie wants to say something. Yes. I, I wanted to wait until you're done. I was going to ask, when did that happen? <laughs> I, I don't remember. I don't remember that. When, when, when was that? When was it whistling? They were about to walk to the, uh, to the house. It was right before they got to the little place where they saw all the cars and everything. And he, he signaled her. He whistled to her like she was a dog. Yeah. When they was walking right away from the van. Um, was it when they found the jar of the with the picture in it? Yeah, so we're talking about that area. It was before that. Oh shit, I don't remember. They're yeah. still okay. right at, at the van, parked outside. Oh, okay, okay. Parked outside. Yeah, you're right. That is really fucking rude. That and like honking to get people's attention. We have a UPS driver who honks to let us know that they're here with our stuff, and I just think it's so fucking rude. I hate that shit. And it's not just one honk. It's like honk 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 honk. Yeah, honk. it's like bitch. The back door is unlocked. Just come drop your shit off. And we've had multiple UPS drivers, and this is the first one that started honking. Yeah. Anyways, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but Jedediah's fake teeth are so bad. They were really distracting to me. And then we've talked about this in other movies, but Leatherface being disfigured as like a, a trope, problematic trope. Again, this is supposed to be 2003, so it's not like the 80s or like Funhouse, you know, it's a little bit more recent, so we need to stop doing that. And then this is just a silly point, but I included it in my negatives because it's not answered. How did that baby not fly all around the damn car while she was running over the sheriff? <laughs> <laughs> she had her hand on his shoulder, didn't you see? <laughs> she did not. No. She had both. <laughs> she had both hands on the steering wheel, and she's oh, yelling. Yeah, she put the baby in the cup holder. <laughs> <laughs> He's just like, sir, it, I don't know what the sex of the baby is, but just sitting there like, hmm? Like all the giggling <laughs> around. Fine. I think she says it's a little girl. She's like, oh, that baby doesn't belong to you. And she's like, she's mine. And did we ever find out, is it the hitchhiker's daughter or is it the hitchhiker's little sister? It, it's, I think it's little sister. It's, it's the hitchhiker's daughter. Oh, daughter? Okay, because I was saying it looks like a family picture, so I assumed it was like the mom, the dad, the hitchhiker's like the older daughter, and like the younger sister. Mm. That, and that girl is Leatherface's little sister, the one who took the kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was revealed revealed behind the scenes. That's not me. And is that, I found out. is that Jedediah's mom? They didn't say. They didn't say. I was looking for that, too. What, what relationship is... Cause they didn't say that. They kind of look alike. Yeah. They do. And the guy in the wheelchair, he was no relation to anybody. Oh. He was just somebody that they kept at the house. Interesting dynamic. See, yeah. now the guy in the wheelchair, I thought maybe since he was an amputee, maybe he was one of Leatherface's victims. Now, that. they say he's like a friend of the family, but it's assumed that him and Leatherface had a disagreement. <laughs> 
And <laughs> that was the repercussion. That ended in lockdown. And, that, and that, that, that's from the director. And that escalated very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that yes. agreement escalated. <laughs> escalated very quick. Maybe that's where he learned how to pack the stub with ice or mm-hmm. with salt. And all, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Good point. That's all I got for my main negatives. It's much less than I expected. Freddie? I have only a couple, but one of them is kind of beefy. Um, so number one, awkward sexting. We already talked about it before in movies, like when stuff is going on and it just doesn't fit the tone and it just makes you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it was just weird, you know, just having two people just basically about to hook up in your backseat as you're driving broad daylight and having basically a couple in the passenger and driver's seat and a couple in the back getting it on. And then one random guy sitting there just kind of being like, Walking. I'm here too. Yeah. yeah, just kind of watching. I mean, he did kind of like try to like dissuade them by throwing out like SCD statistics because I guess he was like also uncomfortable too. Oh, but yeah. still, it's just, it was just a weird situation. It's like, didn't really need that scene. Made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Because I felt like I was also in the van just kind of awkwardly sitting there like <laughs> watching them. Um, blonde dude was 10 times more sweaty than everyone else. <laughs> and that took me out of it immediately. <laughs> This guy had like, it looked like they sprayed him with a bottle with a fine mist all over his body, his face, everything. And everybody's like, I like glisten, you know, here and there. But he was just like, beads of sweat everywhere. And it was, it took me out of him. Like, why is he so sweaty? So that was a negative. People making dumb decisions. Um, Most already covered it. Aaron goes into the dark factory to investigate the shadowy figure that ran by the door alone. Like, why? Why would you do that? Stupid. And again, given the context of like what they just went through, like I would be on edge. Like, especially how she said, like the bad man, you're all going to die. Like, don't go back there. You're going the wrong way. Like, it creates this sense of like foreboding atmosphere Mm -hmm. no matter where you go in the immediate area. So why would you go alone into a dark factory to investigate a noise or a shadowy figure running by? So I thought that was like really stupid. Because we're all living in that Geico commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's the exact thing that she did. She went into the where all the fucking sharp machinery is at. Yep. A whole jump scare when the glasses guy, I don't remember his name, but the glasses guy sticks his arm in the car trunk. Like, mm-hmm. just Morgan. It, yeah, Morgan. Oh, yeah. It, Unnecessary. It Unnecessary. It jump, and he didn't even feel like, oh, damn, that was a good scare. It felt more like he was just being an asshole because then he pulls it out and he starts laughing. Like, oh, I got you guys. I'm like, you asshole. Typical. A lot of boob and butt shots. Yeah. For the sake of boob and butt shots. Yeah. Wet t-shirts throughout, like, I want to say 60% of the movie. And again, a younger me would have been, like, throwing that in the positives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but now it just feels like, I feel like this feels icky, like, dirty. Yep. <laughs> like, and not in a good way. <laughs> like, <laughs> boobs and butts are cool in, like, their natural habitat, I guess I can phrase it like that. But when it's just <laughs> framed and staged like that, it just feels, like, voyeuristic. When you can um, tell it's from the male gaze. I was just going to say that, Stephen. God, I love you. There you go. Perfect phrase. That's exactly it's the male it. gaze. Because um, you can tell it's the fucking male gaze all over this movie. That's it. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying It's that. like, um, just can you run one more time but put a little bit more bounce in your step? Like, that's what it felt like yes. the direction was. Yes. Because there was a lot of bouncing. <laughs> like, my girl needs to force bra when she's, like, in a horror movie because that <laughs> does not seem comfortable. Um... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, make that a joke, but... I love that. Um, okay, so this one, this next one has a joke, though. So you guys remember that scene in Satan Slaves when the girl is under the blanket and she pulls up the blanket and she sees the ghost under her, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she gets scared and then the blanket kind of, like, traps her and she's, like, fighting with the blanket yeah. to get out of it. It's like a 45-minute scene oh, of her. Oh, like, oh. <laughs> it's basically a magician's yeah. handkerchief just never-ending. Yes. That's the first... 
Leatherface chase scene felt like was a blonde guy. Yeah. Like he's running by the clotheslines and he's pushing the white sheets that are hanging in the clothes, like the laundry line. He's just pushing them and Leatherface is slashing and they're running through and I'm like, damn, this is a big ass fucking field of sheets. And then when he finally cuts off his leg, the camera pans out and he's carrying him away. It's like two clotheslines, like 10 feet away. Yes. In a small little patch of grass. And what's even funnier is like the whole time, every time we come up to the house, I'm like, where are those sheets at? I I don't see the sheets anymore. (laughs) That scene took me out of it so much. Where like, they're running in a straight line. He's blonde dudes running forward. Leatherface is running behind them. And somehow they end up running perpendicular to each other. And that's how he gets his leg cut off. So it was just bad staging of your camera and like orienting your camera uh, movements and your actors and direction all that stuff that that scene was just a mess so that's a huge negative for me because it just felt like the rest of the movie didn't have that problem of like disorienting your viewers that one really disoriented me well, i was gonna say like that's one of those scenes where it's like i swear they were coming from this way but then he ran into him from like you know from his left side and like the camera was this like it was just a mess that's, um, that's one of my negatives that got cut i wrote who runs through sheets like <laughs> Why? And I, at first, I thought, like, okay, that's smart. Because maybe the chainsaw will get tangled. And, like, you run through and, like, his chainsaw's tangled. He'll stop to, like, you know, untangle it. And you, you have a chance to run away. But, I mean, that's too, I guess, realistic for this movie. Like, that's just me just thinking, like, a non-horror movie protagonist, I guess. Yeah. And it also reminded me of the scene from Ant-Man Part 1. When they're, they shrink down and they're fighting on the train tracks. On the little, like, Thomas the Tank Engine train. And it's this big scene. And then he falls on the tracks. And the train is about to hit him. And when it pulls out, it's just a little toy train. And just pops down. And it just tips over. <laughs> yeah. And, like, it just makes it so anticlimactic. And that's how funny it is. Or that's what makes it funny. That's what that scene felt like to me. It didn't feel tense. It felt funny. I love that. So, yeah. <laughs> and then the last one is... I didn't know where to put it. So I just put it in the negatives. But it's not really a negative. It's just more like I'm confused by this. I could have sworn that it ends with Aaron without the baby driving in the cop car, driving away, and then Leatherface somehow pops up in the backseat and shoves the revving chainsaw like through the backseat and kills her, and that's how it ends. And you know what? I swore that's what? The prequel, the beginning. Oh, okay. So I have seen the beginning because I swore the same thing happened. That makes sense. I guess I've seen the prequel too, but I don't remember that. Damn. Because wow. I was like, is this a deleted scene? Is this an alternate ending? Like, I could have sworn she dies with the chainsaw to the back of the like, What What's the old girl name from Fast and Furious? Jordana uh, Brewster? Yeah. Yeah, Jordana Brewster was the star in, in the beginning and it happens to her. That does sound familiar. But I don't remember watching the movie, but that's weird. That's like a, a weird memory that like isn't really fully fleshed out of my head. And what's so tragic about that too is, since we spoiling that, she gets stabbed. You think she's getting away and it just hurts that she, she gets stabbed. And there's two bystanders, a cop and a guy, another guy on the road. They get uh, killed because of her getting stabbed. She runs into them and runs them over and kills them. It is, it's a heartbreaking ending. Very heartbreaking. Mm. Damn. But yeah, that, that was my last negative. I mean, that like little confusion of I, wouldn't, I wasn't remembering things correctly, but that cleared up that it's a different movie. Damn. Is that it? That's all I got. I know, well, An- I know Anthony wants to adjudicate all of our negatives, but... <laughs> No, it, it, it's always going to be interesting to hear how other people view the movie. Um, again, I'm what? I'm, I'm 30? I'm 20 or 30? 20 years older than y'all. So I've seen the evolution, acknowledged the evolution of stuff that we've done. I, I remember watching movies where actual rape happened, shit, even in comedies. 
and it was being glorified. Uh, we've come a long way, so I acknowledge that, and I can also appreciate that. And I, I try to put myself in the head of, okay, it was 2003. It was supposed to take place in 1973. What was going on during that time? I, even though I was only two years old, I was still witnessing stuff from back in the day when I got a little older to understand this and this was happening. And why don't you just try to put yourself in those shoes in, in, in that time? And, and, and then you also try to be understanding and listen to other people, their stories and how they perceive things. And, um, yeah, back in the day, I probably would have been offended, like, what the fuck, hey, like my movie, and, and, and going crazy inside my head. But now I can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at that age, I, I can understand and listen to the differences, and um, but still appreciate. Sometimes get swayed, your opinion, and sometimes you're just like, uh, I, I, I understand what you're saying, but man, I love this movie. <laughs> I love it. And from a 91% Google score, seems like a lot of people and the reactions that I've been watching, they they love it too. Um, so yeah, different strokes for different folks. I'm glad y'all finally got to see it. We've been talking about this movie for years. We finally got to talk about it. And, and um, cool. It was fun. I'm glad we watched it as well because I probably yeah. never would have revisited it if you wouldn't have chosen it because it scared the crap out of me. So thank you. Thank you. I'm not saying thank you. I'm terrified. So trauma <laughs> and it never i never Man. thought like it would make me prefer the original i was like oh the remake's gonna be way better but it made me prefer the original and i was just surprised at myself so hmm. yeah all right ready to move on to the strangers you know i am the strangers let's do it all right the strangers released on may 30th 2008 it has a runtime of an hour and 26 minutes, written and directed by Brian Bertino. He's directed other works such as The Monster and The Dark and the Wicked, which I've never, I haven't seen either of them. Never even heard of them. Starring Scott Speedman as James Hoyt. He's from the Underworld series. He also starred in The Monster, Grey's Anatomy, and most recently, the last season of You. Liv Tyler as Kristen McKay. She's from Armageddon, The Incredible Hulk. And she played the magnificent Arwen in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> then we got Glenn Howerton as Mike from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yes. And then the three killers, Gemma Ward as Dollface. And fun fact. She's a model. Sure. Okay. But the fun fact is she was also in Pirates of the Caribbean on Stranger Tides. And her character's name was Tamara. What? Yeah. Okay, that's actually a pretty good little tidbit of information. <laughs> yeah, she was she was a mermaid. Wow, um, that's cool. Then we got Kip Weeks as the man in the mask. We got Laura Margolis as the pinup girl killer. And then the budget uh the budget was nine million dollars, and it had a box office of eighty two point four million. Which is like I see the budget of nine million dollars, and that's small. That's such yeah, it's small. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre had nine point five million dollars, and think about how big of a set that was. Mm. And then this is just a small little house, and it's a nine million dollar budget. It just it's different. I had to decorate an entire house. Rotten Tomatoes of forty eight percent in an audience score of forty eight percent, and it's got an Anthony Google approval rating of seventy eight percent, and the summary on can i say all those scores are crap agreed agreed a summary on imdb a young couple staying in an isolated vacation home are terrorized by three unknown assailants 
I can't say it's a vacation home though. Maybe it is their vacation home because it does have like little notches of his and I'm guessing his brother's heights on the wall. So I'm thinking, and it had like, maybe it is a vacation home. Maybe it's like- Yeah, a, they said it was a vacation home. Yeah, like maybe it's their childhood home that they now use as like their getaway in the woods, you know? I guess that makes sense. And then a fun fact, the story was inspired by the Manson murders in Helter Skelter. So definitely see the inspiration there. Yeah. Now, my history with this movie is I saw it in theaters when I was uh, a young 18-year-old. <laughs> you saw this in theaters? Yeah. Wow. You wouldn't see it in theaters? I'm just like, with how scared I know this makes you, you seeing this in theaters delights me. But I had no idea it was going to be this way. <laughs> yeah, I know. And let me tell you, my friend and I, terrified driving home. Uh, I've stored, said the story before, but we're like, it's late at night. It's like midnight driving home from the movie theater. And all of a sudden, this car going the opposite direction of us, there isn't a stoplight. There isn't a U-turn anywhere. It just randomly U-turns and then speeds up behind us and then goes around us. Like, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to die. Like, <laughs> don't do this to me now. We go back to my mom's house and we run inside. We don't walk inside because it's late at night. Uh -huh. And uh, we slept in the same bed that night. Who is this? Brandon. <laughs> me and Brandon slept in the same bed that night. So, terrifying. So, he was just as scared as you? Just as scared as me. Wow. Yes. And then watching it again at 31 years old still scares the shit out of me. I'm going to be home alone tomorrow and I am not looking forward to it. <laughs> Can confirm. Yeah. Hey, you got Ray with you. Yeah, I will have Ray with me and I will be sending. You said yourself, whenever you hear noises, you're like, come on, Ray, let's go ch check it out. I do. But instead, I'm going to shove her out the door and shut the door Don't behind her and, and make her look for me. <laughs> By the, for the listeners to know, Ray is a little 13-pound Chihuahua Jack Russell mix who's not going to do shit. So, except bark. Uh, the way the tension builds up in this movie, it just, it gives you a sense of dread and hopelessness. And it, it kills me every time. But I truly find this movie being fantastic. And I don't think I'm going to revisit it again for another couple years. I'm good for now. I've had my fill. But with that being said, Anthony, overall thoughts? Overall thoughts? Uh, I think The Strangers is a great movie. I remember the first time seeing it. Really, really appreciated it. I love the different techniques that were used. It's a couple of scenes. I think one in particular where I thought, oh, that was that was well done. Bravo, bravo. But um, yeah, I, I think this is a great movie. Um, I love it. I visited this, this movie quite a few times. And again, I'm disappointed in the Rotten Tomato audience and even the, the Google score. I just, I don't understand it, but hey, it is what it is. Interesting. Okay. Why don't you guys do this to me? <laughs> I'm honestly, Freddie, I am so <laughs> sorry. I am so sorry. The two movies that like traumatized me in my like teen years, like just back to back, having to, go, having to endure this. Overall thoughts. My jaw was clenched the entire time. Mentioned that already. It was a slow burn and it felt like very cold and like psychological almost because we don't really get like a lot of gore. We don't really get big, you know, set pieces of like a chase scene or anything. It's just all one, you know, one small setting. And it's this, you know, intimate, like an intimate setting where like all the, the fear comes from everything that's in the shadows. So everything hit every horror nerve in my body at maximum impact. Again, two thumbs up. Never fucking watching this movie again. It terrified the shit out of me. It's a great horror movie, but God damn, I don't want to go to this again. <laughs> 
Now, Freddie, my question is ending on this. I'm going to put it at a high note with Texas Chainsaw and the Strangers. Are you reconsidering if you'll join us next year? <laughs> I, don't know, I might have to work in some, some hazard pay at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional damages. Okay, look, you know what? Side note on that. When I first watched it, I watched it in college. I was about like 18 or 19 with some friends. We rented it from, you know, Blockbuster or whatever. We put it on during the daytime after class um, at a friend's house. And then when we were done, sun had already set, so it was dark. This time, same thing happened. I put it on and it was, I don't know, like 4.30. And then by the time it was like, you know, already kind of get into the, like the real horror stuff, which it kicks in very early, like 30 minutes in, yeah. I had to go pee. Paused it, went out of my room. My house was like dead silent. I'm like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. And I look outside, it's just dark. And I'm home alone. I have to go pee. <laughs> my parents had like taken the kids to go get ice cream. And like, so my brother and sister weren't making noise. My house was just silent. It's the worst possible setting to be watching this movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. Went to the bathroom, came back to my room, locked my door. <laughs> Stayed in my room <laughs> until I heard they came home. Like, I'm not going out there again. So yeah, it was, it was a 4D experience. Okay. My overall thoughts on this movie are that, well, let me start with my relationship to this movie is that I have seen it before. I was reminded of certain moments while watching and it reassured me, yes, I have seen this before. I'm sure it was probably, if it, if I saw it in 2008, I don't remember seeing it in theaters. So I think that it must have been like at home again with my mom and my brother watching this shit. And I remember having like a, a fearful relationship with this movie. So, and then hearing how like terrified Steven was, I was really dreading watching this. We actually watched it during the day. <laughs> Partly per Steven's request, partly because we just had a jam-packed week. But I was definitely dreading going into this. And upon rewatch, I would say it holds up pretty well. Uh, I would give it like a B. I'd probably watch it again. Um, I'd give it a thumbs up. But I'm not enamored of this movie like Steven is. But we will get into it. (laughs) Positives? Positives. My first positive is fucking terrifying. This is still the scariest movie ever to me. Ever? Ever. Because this hits all of my biggest fears. I hate being alone. I hate the dark. You know, I don't want to, what's the one, you want to go live in a off secluded area and I don't want to be out there. Why? Why do I not want to be out there? I literally said when the movie started and they showed us like where the house is and the setting, I was like, it's, it's my dream home in the middle of the woods, just a nice ass house in the middle of the woods. And I always say, I don't want to live out there. Why? If someone, because of the strangers strangers. and this just reassured me, I'm sorry, Melissa, we're never going to go live there. It's not going to happen. My biggest, I think my favorite scene in the whole movie is when the guy in the mask first shows up in the background watching Kristen in the kitchen and she has no idea he's in the house. That's fucking terrifying. Like he is in the house and she has no idea. Like she thinks she's safe. She thinks there's just people outside. Like that's scary. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I say that's in my positive and that's the one where I was like, bravo. I love the way that was done. It, yeah. Fucking great. It, it's great. Like, that's how you do something looming in the background correctly. Mm-hmm. I guess, too. Yes, remember? she did. It's on my positives, too. Really? Yeah. And I don't know if, if that's the start of doing things like that, mm-hmm. or did somebody else attempt it first? I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know, did they originate that? Because And since it had an effect on me, I was like, oh, shit. I'm wondering if that was the first time that was done, that technique. So, yeah, it was, it was incredible. Yeah. Because at that point, she has no idea anybody's in the house. She thinks she's safe. She thinks everyone's outside especially and i think she only knows of tamara's friend you know because that's the only person that's been in the door so far and then 
we have multiple shots of the fire alarm being on the ground. Mm -hmm. And then she walks over and there it is on the chair. Like now she knows, fuck, I'm not here alone. That shit's terrifying. That's terrifying as well. Like this whole, the way it builds up the tension and like this internal fear of like, you're no longer safe is, is just freaking phenomenal. I also loved just like this little detail of the grandfather clock chimes four times signifying it's four o'clock and i'm i'm counting one two three four i'm like it's not 4 p.m it was really dark you know that, that wedding didn't end it and then when he says it's four in the morning i was like well that makes much more sense <laughs> okay <laughs> and he said it was a long drive so yeah another terrifying scene that i loved is when she hides into the bedroom and then she can hear them all around her and she hears like the banging and the window and then she just screams like go away and then it just goes silent mm -hmm. another great scene i also liked how the killer's way of disconnecting them from contacting anyone is by taking their phones away and then it specifically you know took what's his name james hoyt james's phone took the battery out and basically left it there for him to find it to basically taunt him like you're my bitch you're you're not getting away from me mm -hmm. another great thing is just like what's it what's his name very michael myers-esque where the killers always are just walking around you know except for one scene when he runs up and and hits james over the head but other than that he's just walking through the house he's you know looking up at the stars he walks through the kitchen and then the way he turns his head to look around and the breathing like yeah the breathing is just so freaking creepy and then my i, I mean this whole movie to me is a positive <laughs> it, it really is there are some negatives but it's just i think it's a it's a very well done horror movie and another like quick jump scare is when Liv opens the curtains Liv tyler she opens the curtains and there's the man in the mask right there and he puts his hand up against the the window freaking terrifying and then we just have a couple quick shots of always having the the people in masks in the background and we never see their face i love that we never see them it's just great those are my positives Anthony, can't wait for you to hit me with some of those positives. What do you got for me? My positives, you see it initially when it comes on the handheld camera style. I can't recall one shot where they use the steady cam. Everything, if you look at every single shot, it's a little jarring. It's moving mm -hmm. side to side, up and down, or circular type motion. Kind of weird. It's never constant, just on a tripod and just static shot. So I thought that was interesting. I'm wondering how much did that affect me as a viewer or anybody else watching it? Do they notice it? Does it subconsciously build tension or make you uneasy watching that style? Because it's very, very subtle. I love that style. I love that style. The use of the record player, again, uh, I'm wondering if this started it or, or another movie started it where they're using the record player, the record player, the songs from the record player, Deepers these older Creepers. songs to add to the Creepers. Yeah. And, and like, Insidious. Creepers. Oh, Jeepers Creepers came first. Yeah. Or Insidious. You're right, because this is 2008. But I love that. Either way, I love the way they did it. It's, it wasn't like it was overplayed, overdone. I think they did a, a, a great job using that. The lighting, uh, very moody type light all throughout the house. 
Love that style. I love to jump right into an awkward storyline. This couple, you wonder what's going on, what's happening, and you slowly get more and more details about their relationship. Her not accepting his proposal and why, and um, I thought that was great. And I, and the fact that you could see that she still loved him. Matter of fact, they was about to throw down before they got that first knot. Yeah. <laughs> um. So that was interesting. I love that dynamic, and I love how it builds. You could see how when stuff was going down, and even we'll talk about that. <laughs> but when when stuff was going down, you could see when she was saying different things and reacting to him, he was kind of like irritated by her. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that because he's irritated by the situation. He's mortified. So he, yeah, and a little bit he's gonna be a little irritated with him because she she didn't say yes. Yeah. To the marriage proposal, so that adds to it a little bit. I love that. I love that, and you could see it the way he was reacting to her, and, and uh, their dynamic was incredible. It used to sound like the knocking, the boom, boom, boom. I got on my headphones, so it was going in my ear, boom, 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 and, and certain sounds lo- louder than the other, or it builds up. That was great, and we already talked about the villain coming in the frame in the background. That was dope, dope technique, and also, like you said before, the villain being in plain sight, opening the curtain right there, or when they get on in the garage, they get on top of something to step up and look out the window and standing right there. So I I, I love that. It's a lot to love about this movie. Lots of love. Yeah. That's all I got to say. Freddie, hit us with those positives. All right. So all the horror notes that I had in it, like I said, it hit them perfectly. But more specifically, I think it approached like the kills in like an anti-slasher movie kind of way where take, for example, like Friday the 13th, uh, Halloween saw like the kills are more like a showcase of like, how are they going to kill the victim this time? Like it's more tableau. Yeah. Like it's like a tableau. They want to set a scene. It's, you know, the kill of the week kind of thing. And this one, we only really get two kills and they're just more like quiet, personal in a way. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing like showy or cinematic about them. It's just the killers are doing, and the killers themselves kind of treated like this very like somber ritual almost where they take their mask off, set it down, and they each take turns passing the knife to each other and taking, you know, stabs at our victims, at our main characters. So it felt more like, I don't know, it was handled way differently. And I could really appreciate it because it made, it didn't break up the tension that was set by, like, everything that preceded that. And I feel like it kept the tone of psychological horror. And when mostly when, you know, you say psychological horror, you think it's a horror movie that plays with people's sanity, supernatural elements that, you know, just torture somebody's psyche. I feel like this is psychological horror because of how it, it treats our victims and boxes them into this house, and they're being taunted by the killers. And I can really appreciate that, because it felt really messed up. It adds to, like, the sense of dread that was just kind of looming over the entire crime scene, I guess you say. Segway into my next point. Uh, I like that both this movie and our previous movie start with a crime scene investigation statistic kind of, like, setup to give it this touch of realism that makes it just seem like it's all plausible. It can happen to anyone. There's no, like, you know, ghost or anything looming. There's no demon. It's just the, the evil of humankind. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what's terrifying to me. It has a narration like Texas Chainsaw, too. Yeah, it kind of gives you that, like, sense of, like, we're going to tell you a story. We're going to present it to you. This is what happened. Like, this is what actually happened. In terms of, like, specific scenes... Homegirl went straight for the knife and then went up to the room to kind of like lock herself in. I thought that was fucking smart. Yeah. 
he loses the knife, I want to say, like, kind of quickly after a while, and then gets another one later on. But I feel like that felt like it broke some of the stereotypes of, like, you know, the helpless damsel in distress and, like, arm yourself and, and barricade yourself. And, like, it felt like what I usually feel I'm yelling at other, you know, hard movie protagonists. She actually did it, and I'm like, I can appreciate that. Big plus. Yeah. The use of the, oh, well, Anthony covered this. I was going to say, the use of the handheld shots to show that they're in the house. Whenever they are being, you know, spied on, being crept up on, whenever the director wants to create that sense of, like, tension of something is about to, like, loom out of the shadows. Because our killers do that a lot. They'll be in complete, you know, pitch black areas of the screen, and they kind of just take a step forward, and they slowly, like, come into frame. Dollface, I want to say, or Tamara, the, the blonde killer girl, she does that uh, when Mike shows up. Or we get that shot of the porch, and Mike walks in, and Tamara just kind of, like, walks out of the darkness. I'm like, that's fucking terrifying. So, again, effective use of your killers almost not really moving and just being scary by their presence alone. Yeah. That was super cool. Um, the goddamn scene where Sackboy slides into frame, like you guys said, it's really well done. Sackboy, because he has this potato sack on his head. Sorry. This <laughs> was, was like, his ready. big adventure, Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know what to call him, so I just wrote Sackboy. Yeah, when he slides into frame out of, like, the dark living room area, that, like, fucking got me. Like, it made me gasp and, like, kind of, like, I, I was using the headphones through the, the PS4 controller, so they're, they're wired headphones, so I was gripping the controller, and I could hear the plastic creaking of how, like, hard I squeezed it when he, like, came into frame. Wow. Like, I, I tensed up really badly. It scared me. So that was a good one, too. This is kind of, like, something that touches on the, the negatives, but I'll just throw it in right now because I also it's a positive because it just kind of made me laugh because it took me out of it but in a funny way when James is like searching the house he does like one of the most lame ass like security checks that I've ever seen in a horror movie or anything really the first room he checks is a dark ass room with boxes and all this stuff in the way and it's dark like the lights are off he doesn't turn on lights he just opens the door peeks in he's like you see there's nothing here and I started laughing because I'm like that's not how you fucking check a room for people like intruders in the house um and it, it was this movie's equivalent of like an ocular pat down, which is from It's Always Sunny, where Mac, they're going like a road trip or something. I think they pick up a hitchhiker and like, should we pick up this hitchhiker? And he's like, yeah, sure. He's fine. I gave him an ocular pat down. And I'm like, what the fuck is an ocular pat down? He's like, I looked at him and patted him down with my eyes to make sure he's not a threat. <laughs> Comes full circle because Glenn Howerton is in this movie and plays Mike. So I thought that was just, it's a big plus. It just made me laugh. That's so fucking um, funny. <laughs> We gotta rewatch. Yeah. I love that. Always funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's in my plus. So since it came full circle, that was the last one on my list. So yeah, that's what I got. Okay. <laughs> That was great. The one of the scenes that I forgot to talk about that I actually absolutely loved was the one where Mike walks up to the house and after he steps in, Dollface comes into view. Like that again, fucking terrifying. The fact that that you have these beings that can see you at all times, but you can't see them, or you don't even know if they're able to see you, but they fucking can, is just absolutely terrifying. It's it's dreadful. It's yeah, it's that Jaws and alien type of handling of your of your villain or your antagonist. It makes your brain do the heavy lifting, your imagination do the heavy lifting, because it keeps you in fear. Like, where the hell are these things? Where the hell are these people? Mm-hmm. My turn. All right, my positives. Great home invasion story. We've all touched on this. 
it's, it's such a repeated trope and setting because it's effective and it's probably my biggest fear. So it's really easy to put yourself in their shoes and experience what they're experiencing. One thing that I just added while listening to you guys talking about it was I enjoyed the setup of a failed proposal because it's already arguably one of the worst nights of your guys' lives. And then you're already in this state of anxiety, your nerves are riddled, and then you're gonna, that's where, you, that's the jumping off point for the most horrible night of your life. I love that setup. While I shot on Jessica Biel's outfit in the last movie, I would like to praise Liv Tyler's outfit in this movie. She changes out of the dress that she's wearing to the wedding and she puts on jeans and a flannel like a smart woman. I appreciated the fuck out of that. She wasn't wearing shoes, but she did change into a sensible outfit and I appreciate that. Like you mentioned, Freddie, the killers are in no hurry and that makes them so fucking menacing. They're literally there to just terrify. I yelled, oh my God, when he creeped into the corner of the kitchen. But Steven mentioned something that got my gears going. Uh, and I was wondering too, is is the not fiance, the boyfriend, is, is he like in on this? Because Steven was like, wasn't the guy in the mask wearing a suit? Okay, I said that to throw you off. Oh. Melissa Why was, would you do that? Because Melissa was like, is it James? Is James the one in the mask? And I'm like, he was wearing a suit. Why would you do that? To make, because it at that point, it's supposed to make you think that he is one of them. Because he's in a suit. Wait, I don't think it's supposed to. I thought he just happens to be wearing a similar outfit. Oh, I thought you were supposed to question Is it. there a director's commentary? I don't like this. But no, you, he's not He's not in on it. You purposely tried to mislead me. I would like to add Steven to a negative. Yeah, this is uh, <laughs> your next where the boyfriend's in on it. Anyway, back to the killers. So yes, I gasped at that scene, fucking loved the menacing. And she's just there smoking her cigarette, just fucking around, trying to decompress. And there he is just soaking it all in. Like, it's just toying with your prey. And I think that's fucking terrifying and effective. And the way that he later on takes the time to sit down at the table. And granted, he's huffing and puffing. And I don't know if he needs to like catch his breath or if he's just like sitting and enjoying before he has his meal. I appreciated that. I also like the touch that the ice cream is still there, like melting on the table. Champagne and ice cream is kind of the perfect like heartbreak on the men food. So I appreciated that as well. And then the slow stabbing face to face. It's so fucking personal. The fact that that's the way that they chose to kill them after all of this, like cornering and chasing them and toying with your prey throughout the house. I'm surprised that they chose to kill them like that, but it was terrifying. The slow stab and the passing of the knife and it's terrible, terrible, but great. I love the exchange after the main guy. What the hell is his name? James. James. When James kills Mike and he's begging for Liv Tyler. What the hell is Liv's character's name? Kristen. Uh, Kristen. And she looks like a Kristen in this movie. So I appreciated that. Um, when, when he's begging Kristen not to look and he's like banging on the door and she's like writhing and crying on the floor and he's like, it's Mike, it's Mike. That to me was like... I felt sucked into that moment. Like I was there. He totally like his reaction immediately made me think like he's so fucking ashamed of what he just did. And like ashamed is such like a lame word to use for like the weight of this moment. But I just thought that that was perfect. And you could feel like how devastated he was and just how bad she feels. God, I can't imagine that. And poor guy. He was coming to like be a good friend. 
fast running right at you is terrifying. When the male killer, it's a male killer, right? Mm -hmm. He runs like full speed. Steven goes, dude, it's like the rental. Totally. That never gets old. It's super effective. And then you mentioned you enjoyed the shaky camera, Anthony. While I mostly thought that the use of the shaky cam was a negative for me, one moment that really stood out to me as a positive that I had to include when Kristen is crawling on the ground outside and it shows us her crawling and then we get her POV and the camera is like shaky facing the woods. I really liked that use because most of it, like I said, most of it didn't work for me, but that I was like, wow, I enjoyed that shaky cam use. Believable in that sense. I put in all caps and then the power goes out. It's already a terrible situation and for the power to go out, it just ratchets up the tension. It's just terrifying. And one thing that I didn't include that I am kicking myself for not including, just them circling the house, banging and trying to terrify the people inside the house. Every time we hear shit like that, we just like look at each other and it's like, can you fucking imagine if you were in their, in their shoes? That shit's terrifying. The way that Dollface kind of laughs when she says to Kristen, you're gonna die. That to me was so unsettling. Just that little hint of laugh in her voice. It's great. And then again, another line that I believe Dollface says, I completely forgot about like the, the Mormons or the Jehovah's Witnesses, whoever they're on the bikes. I forgot. I forgot about them until the end when they popped up again. When he gives her the paperwork and asks her, are you a sinner? And she says, sometimes. I just love that. Even though it was kind of cheesy, I love that, that line. The fact that we never see their faces is, again, your brain does the heavy lifting for you. And I really appreciate that they stayed anonymous. Interesting. That's it. How did we all feel about the writing on the windows and stuff? Did we like that? Or was that a little cheesy? I didn't mind it. I mean, again, it, it played into the whole, like, we're going to taunt our prey, play with our prey aspect of it. Yeah, it was And also another, another sign of saying, like, hey, I'm in the house because this is written from the inside. Mm-hmm. I was kind of indifferent. Hmm. Did you have a thought? No, just wondering. I liked it. Negatives? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, before we get into negatives... I would just like to say, I, I, I try to put myself in that situation. What could I do? What could I have done? What could they have done? The fire alarm, if it's not connect, connected to some alarm system off, off site, what's the point of that? I was like, okay, do I, do I set, start setting shit on fire to, to raise flags so somebody in the neighborhood can see that there's a fire? But then the car was on fire mm-hmm. and that didn't raise any flags. So I'm like, man, what could they have done? My whole thought was, I think I would be like, I'm getting the fuck out of this house. Mm-hmm. I'm taking my chances outside. But then again, I can run. <laughs> so, so I'm like, if you're going to get me, you better you better be able to run because I'm out. Um, or could you do a barefoot like she was? No, Anthony, Anthony can run to the end of the driveway and then he's out of breath. <laughs> <laughs> you know, now the only thing is I'm out, but damn, I can't be out because I got to worry about my woman. I got to make sure she's okay. So I'm like, what could they have done in that situation to save themselves? So the way the movie laid everything out, I I thought it, it did a great job in limiting their options. Car was fucked up. Now I would have thought, hey, I'm driving the shit out that motherfucker, flat tire or not. I'm getting the fuck out of there. Mm-hmm. But they didn't really have a lot of options as far as how to defend themselves. So I appreciated that. Nothing, nothing seemed like, man, you could have, you could have. I, I never at once was having that reaction. Oh man, y'all should have did this. Or you should have did yeah. this. It was, it was just like, man, these motherfuckers fucked. 
I feel like you, so, you, yeah. you have three options, realistically. You either hide and hope that they don't find you. You barricade yourself in a room and you wait for them to come to you and then you try to take them out. Or you fucking run. You take your chances and you run out the house. We already established that hiding in a bedroom with a shotgun works. I mean, didn't work on the right person, yeah. but it works. Yeah, it works. You know? I mean, they did technically try all those three options that you said, but... It, didn't, it still didn't work out, but I think those are, you're right, like, your three best options. And out of, out of the three, the barricade, like, basically, you make them come to your, come to you, like, to have the home field advantage. And, like, you have a setup, you have a shot lined up. Like, I think that was their best bet. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. This movie is, is one of those movies I'm like, I wish they had a kill switch. <laughs> oh. Oh, I wish they had a kill switch. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And especially at the end when they was tied up next to each other. Let's just, let's just, let's just flick it. Now, on that note, she wasn't dead, but she crawls over to Mike. Yeah, why? Why was she laying next to Mike? Was she having an affair with Mike? Why wouldn't she stay there next to her husband? And her boyfriend. Boyfriend. Wait, was Mike related to her? Mm. I thought Mike was her brother. That's why he was saying, like, it's Mike. Don't look at Mike. No, no Mike was no, his I, best I friend. Mike was a, yeah, his best friend. His best oh, friend. That's why I thought it was, like, his best friend, but her brother. Okay, never mind. I just saw her just trying to crawl and get out. But they were right by the door. Why would you leave where they were, right? Yeah, because he wasn't by the front door. He was down the hallway. Uh-huh. She was trying to grab Mike's keys. His car was still good. I'll sit a windshield, but still good. Maybe. I like that, Freddie, but I also like Stevens. <laughs> Interesting. If they were to make a sequel, ho, ho. Because everybody was like, come on, please make a sequel. And she was wanted to do a sequel. And then, I don't know what the I mean, fuck they didn't make a sequel. Making this other sequel, yeah. other sequel wasn't bad. But it had nothing to do with them. But I like that storyline. Oh, if they could do another one. Because we learned earlier that he wasn't exactly who he said he was. He was like, oh, yeah, I used to hunt with my dad. Like he And she assumed that he knew how to use a gun because of that. And he's like, oh, no, that's just something I said. And to me, I was like, well, what else was something that you just said? Quote, unquote, you know? So I... I thought that that was interesting. Yeah, maybe she wasn't who she said she was either, really. Because because <laughs> if, if I'm stabbed and my boyfriend who proposed to me and I got the ring on my finger uh-huh. is dead next to me, I'm not crawling to his best friend. Right. You know, I'm staying with my man mm-hmm. or my spouse, my significant other. So that's what makes me think maybe she was having an affair. That's a perfect time for direct commentary to fill it up because I feel like that's... I didn't even think of that until you guys mentioned it right now. Like, yeah, why did she crawl over there? I don't know. She's still alive. She can answer the questions. But, Freddie, what was your last positive? Oh, um, the use of a, like, loud droning sound. Or not necessarily droning, but just any loud sound to really heighten the sense of tension in a scene and to take away one of your major senses that you need mm-hmm. to survive in a horror movie, your sense of hearing. We got it a little bit uh, with uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre when she goes into the trailer park thing or the trailer and there's the tea kettle boiling and it's like whistling really loud and she's like, please like turn that off, he's going to hear you. Because one, loud noise is a little killer and two, it cuts off your sense of hearing to, you know, them running around and footsteps and all that. And in this movie, we get it to the record player and, to the, yeah, to the record player and to the smoke alarm. Mm-hmm. Like loud sounds that when those things kick in it feels like oppressive and even me as a viewer feels like i can't hear and i feel like i feel more vulnerable yeah so i thought that was like really cool use of sound i think that's when you were like this movie just gives you a lot of anxiety doesn't it? yeah the smoke alarms give you anxiety in the first place and then having tamra's best friend out there asking if she's home and then smoke alarm going off just fuck is tamra just i think I don't know. I think it's just like a lot, putting a lot of place to juggle for your protagonist heightens that sense of, uh, I feel like I keep saying the word heightens that sense of terror, but <laughs> it's the only phrase I can think of. Yeah. Um, but it, it puts the viewer also in their shoes. 
because you're also experiencing the same sound, not necessarily the same situation, but the same sound, and you can insert yourself and like, oh shit, I can't hear. I heard a noise out there, you know, they're fucking with my wind chimes and banging on my door, but now I can't hear anything except this goddamn old-timey music and the smoke alarm going off. And I had a, I had a professor, my storyboarding professor, who gave us this example of like tension in a scene, where he's like, what's more tense? If somebody walks into a, uh, like a room and puts a bomb on the table and says this is going to blow up in five minutes, or they walk into the room and put a bomb under the table and just sit there, and you know as the viewer it's going to blow up in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's more tension. And like that's what I feel like this movie did. It's like mm-hmm. It wasn't just something that was just thrown in your face. It was using everything that it could in the scene to direct you into the sense of dread. Well, that. I love that. That image. Props to your teacher. <laughs> we ready for negatives? Yep. Hit us. God damn it, Melissa. <laughs> I hate you with this damn Liv Tyler breathy acting. Ever since you brought it up in Incredible Hulk, that's all I could hear in this entire movie was... Was I wrong? No. <laughs> she she gives some breathy acting, and Thank it's you. annoying. Thank you. Um, This is where I would like to play Vindicated by Dashboard Confessional. <laughs> yeah, but also that makes you one of my negatives for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I also wasn't a fan of their toxic makeup sex. Like, even, yeah. even though they didn't, as Anthony says, throw down. <laughs> 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 um, just like, she just declined, you know, your proposal. I'm sorry, but it's, it's I don't want to have sex with you. Like, you would be halfway through that, that half gallon of ice cream or whatever. That oh, 100%. Yeah. It wouldn't, it, I would not be in the mood. And it's not even like they broke up. Like, there's a similar storyline happening in these recent series or seasons of Grey's Anatomy, which is funny because he's in this season of Grey's Anatomy. But she's not saying no to you. She's saying no to right now. Like, she's not ready to get married. That's totally fine. And, like, why didn't you guys fucking talk about this beforehand? People, communication is so important in relationships. Jesus fucking Christ. Say it with me. Communication. <laughs> you know? And this right here is actually my biggest negative of the whole movie. When James goes out to his broken into Volvo. Yes. Instead of opening the door like a rational... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a rational human being. You stick your head and your arm all the way through to look through. And then you come out and then you open the door and get in. That, that's no you're exposed yeah you already know everything's going on you see your car like that they could be anywhere you're gonna leave your whole back out like that like it's it just you're in a horror movie don't you know yeah why and then yeah you i'm sorry i'm gonna be so heartless right now yeah you just shot your best friend that sucks dude <laughs> doesn't change the fact that they're still out there trying to get you and they're in the house <laughs> and you're gonna sit there screaming on the ground when he could pop, pop like just pop in at any second i think like, though like if you shot max like it would be game over you'd be like just take me now like you you'd be done fighting uh-huh i don't know Empathy. <laughs> i don't know maybe another thing is going to the shed to use a dumbass radio that was probably never going to work in the first place like go the opposite direction go towards the main road mm-hmm. you know I, I'm, I'm with anthony make a run for it And then also five minutes before James says the entire time we've been here, we haven't heard or seen anyone drive by. We haven't even heard a dog. And now these people won't leave us alone. And actually five minutes before he says that we do hear a dog yelp. Yeah, we do. So false, James. False. And those are my negatives. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Anthony, let's hear your negatives. All right. My negatives. 
I don't have a lot. Stephen pointed out a lot of stuff that people do, certain ethnicity does. That I could never understand what we call WPS. <laughs> White people shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a little bit of that going on, but not a lot. So Wait, what um, was the what was the white people shit? The reaching in through the window? Yeah, that was the biggest one. Him yes. reaching in the car like that, ass all exposed, <laughs> body you don't you don't know what the fuck's going on. And then the fact that somebody can walk up to you, put their hand on your shoulder. Oh yes. I'm like, you put her hand on the back of his neck like gotcha bitch. Damn. That's what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, what the hell is what are you doing? Some Uno dos tres. Um, what 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 was it? What is it, Freddie? Oh, yeah. uh, uno dos tres tres toca la pared. Yeah. Yes. All the separation crap. I'm like, no, take her with you. Exactly. Um, 100%. Stick together. Yeah. I, I can't leave my woman in the house. And I'm going to be wondering, okay, are they getting there? What, what's cool? No, I need you right by me. Priority number one. Fuck a radio. But my biggest... Oh, next... Well, that car thing irritated me, but I was okay. Got to have a movie, so, so be it. But mine is more technical. It's when the Mormon kids... We're passing out the pamphlets at the end. And um, like you said, I love the mysterious nature of it, how they never revealed their face. I mean, you can see a little bit of Gemma Ward's face on the side when she's, uh, when she's accepting the pamphlet. I love the line, like you said, are you a sinner? And she says, sometimes it shocked me when Gemma Ward was in the movie because I have a folder dedicated to her because I love her modeling. So that was a real plus to see her in this movie. But when she got the pamphlet, when she said sometimes, and then she walked back to the truck, little fella, he broke character. <laughs> and it was just so obvious. It's like the director said, action. And he was, because he looked up with his, with his eye like that. And then he was like, he started pushing his bike and he started to laugh. And, and then he tried to get serious again. And I was like, the fuck? And I rewinded, rewinded. This mother editor, what's going on? Director, why'd you cut that out? Did you really need that last three seconds? Get rid of that little piece because it's so exposed. I got it queued up on my Netflix too. That took me out. But other than that, really no negatives. I did not notice that. I'm gonna have to go back and look oh. at it because I don't I don't know. I remember. did not catch that and like I I wanna rewind it now. Can you pause for a second? Yeah. That is crazy. Anthony just played the clip for us and we all saw it. And wow, they really didn't have a better take, huh? Can confirm <laughs> kid broke character. And that's Where probably why stars? That's probably why he never got another acting gig again. <laughs> Did he not? <laughs> I don't know. Jokes <laughs> <laughs> on you, Steven. That kid uh, grew up to become one of the most famous actors, a little known movie star named Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, <laughs> did he? In 2008. <laughs> oh, that's great. So that was it, Anthony? That was all your negatives? That was it. That was it. Wow. All right. Freddie? So for my negatives, right off the bat, dumb people making dumb decisions. Mm -hmm. Hey, I'll go buy cigarettes at four in the morning, right after some creepy girl knocked on our door, and oh. I'll leave my girlfriend, you know, for an indiscernible amount of time. Yep. I'll be back. Bye. And he just peaces out. Yep. Like, where is, like, I know horror movies are known for, like, having just broken-ass logic, but, like, where the fuck is the logic in that? I wrote the exact same thing. That just, like irritated me and then i didn't have it in my negatives but when steven pointed it out it's it's on there now like it deserves to be on everybody's list because yeah you see signs of a crime you know regarding your your car and you already know that your girlfriend experienced some kind of you know breaking or something so you go out there and you lean into your window with you know broken out window so you're kind of like stomach first pressing into broken glass Maybe it wasn't on jacket, but still, that's where my, my mind is at. And you're leaning in, in, 
yeah, like Anthony said, like you're leaving your ass out, you're being super vulnerable, and it makes you so vulnerable that the killers can literally taunt you by walking up to you and smacking the back of your neck and then running away. Like, they're humiliating this man because of how stupid that decision was. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. It's a stupid decision. So yeah, big negative. <laughs> we already talked about it, but I still have it written down here about James giving this movie's equivalent of the ocular pat-down. <laughs> I still think that's super stupid of like, yeah, this room's clear, and he just closes the door and leaves. Like, what? No. My next point, I wrote, James is a piece of shit. He sees all the signs of not only a horror movie, but also just straight-up crime and home invasion and makes all the wrong decisions. Passively aggressive... Passively, aggressively searches the house, doesn't turn on lights when he searches the dark room, and then tries to gaslight not only Kristen, but me too, that Ooh. nothing's wrong. Yes! <laughs> and I took that personally. <laughs> like, that bumped the shit out of me. It's like, nah, dude, I see fucking Scarecrow touching my wind chimes and, like, my smoke detector. Like, some something's in the house. Like, my hand is all cut. I'm clearly distressed. Something's wrong. And then she can't find her phone. He's like, oh, I put it in your bag. It's in your bag. Like, kind of already upset. I'm like, she took it out. Like, she doesn't tell him that he took it out. But, like, we all saw he, she took it out. Like, it was just... Dismissive. Dismissive. And it felt, like I said, it felt personal. Because it felt, like, so shitty. Like, yeah, you, you know, you just got rejected for proposal. But there's clear signs of something wrong. And him just being like, well, I'm just going to go check it out. It's fine. I'll go check it out. And you see she's crying on the floor, has a knife, you know, in her hand. And she's already, like, jumpy. Like, it was the most broken logic that I've come across in, like, one of our Oktoberfests in a very long time. Mm -hmm. And it bugged the shit out of me. So, yeah, James, total piece of shit. He kind of redeems himself later on by, like, making some smart decisions of, like, all right, we're going to barricade the door, the front door with the piano, then barricade ourselves in the in the room and just line up the shotgun and, you know, hold still until we can kind of figure this out. But then he kind of, like, unredeems himself when he leaves uh, Kristen again alone and they keep splitting up. Like, hey, I'm going to go check on the car. I'm going to go grab the keys, put your shoes on, and then we're going to get out of here. But he still leaves her in the house knowing that someone already broke in. Like, there's this whole home invasion aspects still looming over them. And then again, they separate. Hey, there's an old radio. It, like, it's basically Scooby-Doo levels of, like, stupidity at this point of how they separate. Like, hey, there's this old radio in the old shed. It's, you know, it's 100 feet away. It's in the dark. You stay here with no weapon, no way to protect yourself in this, you know, house that's been broken into, potentially still has somebody in it. I'm going to leave you here while I go run over there with a the shotgun and our only weapon means of survival. And then he lays down, he misses his shot and leaves himself exposed to, like, the woods. Like, it was just... I fucking hated it. I hated it so much. Like, like they died because of James. Damn. <laughs> That's all I got. That was my biggest negative. <laughs> James, do better. Can you can you not have the creepy killers up on Google Images right now? Look at that one. Right yeah, there. that one's creepy, huh? Yeah. Oh wait, no, one more. I forgot to scroll down. Uh, last second jump scare for no reason. Hated that shit because I did not remember it, and it was completely pointless. They got me. Freddie, you said two of my negatives. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Same wavelength right now because, like, I am. I'm getting upset just thinking about it. <laughs> Yes, I will just echo, I put she lived, question mark, exclamation mark, cheap jump scare, not a fan, so unnecessary, unless she's going to be like immediately in the sequel, but even then it's like fucking stupid. And then what you said earlier about he really didn't need to leave at 4am to go get fucking cigarettes, like I get that you need your space from her because you just got rejected, but like it's 4am in the middle of nowhere, and he also drinks like immediately before getting in the car, what the fuck? Anyway, let me go back to the top of my negatives. I just needed to piggyback and off doesn't of he just immediately. 
throw. Yeah, he just chucks the champagne. Yeah. Like, put that back inside. You can drink it when you get back. It's like, <laughs> sorry, you're going to, like, get killed. But still, you know? If they had neighbors, I can just picture the neighbors being like, stop littering, asshole, that's my yard. <laughs> that would be me as a neighbor. Back to the top of my negatives. It's not as scary as I was hoping for or as I remembered, which was shocking. Steven was, like, hyping this up. I remember Freddy being terrified. I know Anthony thinks this is a great horror movie. So I was like, yes, I'm ready to be fucking terrified. I'm ready to sleep with the lights on. Steven was like, if we need to sleep with the lights on tonight, I totally understand. I was ready and it just never came. So I think either I'm like a heartless bastard now or I've just been hardened in these last couple years or maybe like because I'm because this is like one of my biggest fears. I don't know. Maybe I'm just prepared. <laughs> what was that, Freddie? Elevated sense of horror. Like, hmm, this isn't uh, up to stuff for me. <laughs> a little monocle. <laughs> And it got us talking about like, maybe we can circle back to this at the end. Like what really is like a movie that scared the shit out of you? Like a really, truly scary horror movie. And I was having a hard time coming up with examples. Says the person who had a moratorium on horror movies for like 15 fucking years of her life. And like, it might've been Paranormal Activity. That was the one that I kept coming back to. Like, and maybe the first Saw, but I haven't seen it in so long. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe this just, just doesn't do it for me anymore. As Steven said earlier, Liv Tyler's whisper voice is still terrible. I don't like her because of that. And it seems like it's a choice, not that that's how she talks normally. And then my guy, you're really gonna propose to this girl in a parking lot at a wedding and he didn't even get down on one knee? Three strikes. Never propose at somebody else's wedding. Definitely don't do it in a parking lot unless it's like where you guys met, like and the bus picked you up when you were children or something like horrible. And get down on one knee, come on. That's like the visual. When Steven had me cover my eyes and then when I opened them and he was on one knee, like immediately tears, come on, you need that moment. So I'm glad she said no because he's an idiot. Another time when the shaky camera was actually, um, I mentioned why it was a positive earlier, here's why it was a negative. Specifically when they were sitting at the dinner table and there was like the, the, the camera was just really noticeably shaky to me at that point and it was really distracting. And I just felt like throughout the movie, there were times where, like I mentioned, having it be her crawling on the ground, that usage adds to the story. Everywhere else, it just felt kind of distracting to me. Unless you're like running down a hallway, I feel like it's not really necessary. And then opening the door at 4 a.m. to a stranger is fucking stupid. If you don't have a peephole, you can just yell through the door or guess what? You also don't have to acknowledge. Who cares if they know that you're home? There's no reason. In the real world, you don't have to. But in a horror movie, we wouldn't have a horror movie if they didn't. So leaving her home alone in the middle of the night to get cigarettes after that weird encounter also is so irresponsible. And then one thing that left me a little unsettled, like why didn't we get an answer to this? I, I can't tell which girl says it of the killers, but it'll be easier next time. Okay, is there immediately a sequel right after? Like what is- I think that was Dollface, Jim Award. Yeah, like what's what's the point? I, you guys are just gonna keep going on killing? Is that what The Manson murders, on? yeah. But the Manson murders wasn't like a, a shit ton you know so they did a couple houses but it was like the tate LaBianca stuff was like the main one mm -hmm. but yeah that's pretty much it i think i was just let down overall by the movie because i was really jonesing to be scared and i wasn't that scared there was definitely some anxiety but i wasn't straight up scared i don't think it's a scary movie i just really appreciate it's just well crafted very well crafted and um i appreciate that and if, if something can make me go ooh, i love it and it's like it's that first 
out the shadow, you see him face. It's like, wow, I really love that. And then everything else was done done right, too. I thought, I thought it was well made. Yeah, it was some dumb, dumb shit going on, but <laughs> he's, he, you got to accept this crazy mess to see horror. And uh, you said you did see it before, and it scared. It did scare you. Me or Steven? You. You. Yeah. But now I wonder if I'm conflating it with, what is it, Last House on the Left? Did that scare you? That is another home invasion movie, right? But it's like with teenagers? No, it's not a home invasion. It's a rape Um, vengeance. Yeah, yes, yep, revenge. It's but, okay. uh, it's pretty much the same movie. But yeah, I feel like based on my memory, I was scared. And like in our family unit, it's definitely a movie that we talk about being scared of. Scared of. So. Maybe but I you were an adult too. So you were you were um, teenager. Two thousand eight. We were eight. You watched it during the. You watched it during the night. At night or during the day. I feel Do like you know? horror movie experiences. My mom's a horror fanatic, so I feel like horror movie experiences in our household were like sacred. We have to watch it at night if we're at home. You get the popcorn out. Nice. And it was like, I, at least most of my childhood was before cell phones. So don't have your phones, no distractions, you know? So yeah, we probably saw it at home in the evening on the couch all together, you know? I think this movie is just tailored towards Steven and his fear. I, I can't imagine watching a frog movie as a youngster and then trying to watch it now. I'm sure that's, that motherfucker was still scared the shit out of me. Well, I just would not watch it. So Texas Chainsaw was, was tailored toward me and my fear. I'm glad I conquered it. I'm ready to watch the shit out of it. Steven, you got to watch this again. You got to watch it over and over. Thanks <laughs> your fear. He's like, no. <laughs> Never again. Okay. And Freddy too. Freddy, yeah, you got to watch these bugs. Come on, nope. huh? Like I said, watching it with headphones on made the experience hit 10 times harder and... No, I, I don't want to be clenching my jaw for two hours straight again. Man. Next year, I'm going Halloween Town 1 <laughs> and uh, Hocus Pocus. <laughs> oh, man. Halloween Town is a bad movie. That way we can bring Freddy back. I don't want to scare him off with my picks ever again. <laughs> That's the only way I'm coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> Paranorman Monster House. <laughs> my pick is going to be like Nightmare Before Christmas or something. I love it. <laughs> Well, I can't believe that brings us to the end of another Oktoberfest. This brings Oktoberfest to a close. <laughs> if you have any, yeah, we went out with a bang. Oh yeah, definitely, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never gonna watch that the same movie. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna hear that voice over and over. Grandma. I feel like these two movies had like those little quotable lines of like Grandma, and then it's because you were home. Like, yeah, you didn't say that at all, Freddie, and you're positive. <laughs> remembered when you were talking about the Sanders line like sometimes like should I should I jump in should I jump in (laughs) but yeah like that to me that line is that iconic line because you were home terrifying all right well thank you guys so much for joining us for our annual tradition of Oktoberfest we had a great fucking time some of us varying degrees of terrified and traumatized but we hope you enjoyed and you join us again next year until our next episode tell everyone where they can find you Steven you can find me everywhere at Steven Coots and go watch Dune. There was finger guns involved. Pew, pew. Anthony? And you can find me at the man you see. Freddie? You can find me on Instagram at Fredward. You can find me everywhere at maybe not Melissa. And you can follow the pod at all of the links in the description. And we'll talk to you guys soon.